HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome back to Heritage Radio Network on tour. My name is Kat Johnson. I am the communications director for Heritage Radio Network. If you are unfamiliar with us, we are a food podcast network based in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Um, we are very, very, very tight friends with Slow Food. Um, and we're excited to be here for the third year in a row for Slow Food Nations. Um, I want to thank our sponsors, Hearst Ranch, Big Green Egg, and the Julia Child Foundation for making all of our coverage of the festival possible. We've been here for two days now. We're getting towards the end of the road here. We have a couple more interviews for you today. Um, we've been talking to everyone from Alice Waters to Arden Lewis of Kamal Kitchen. Um, as many people as we possibly can talk to this weekend. I'm really excited now because I'm welcoming someone who I spoke to very recently when she was in New York a few weeks ago for the Fancy Food Show. She has one of my favorite indulgences, um, dates. And I think that most people, when they think about dates, they think about um, that thing that makes your favorite energy bar sweet that's better for you than sugar. But let me just tell you, this is Colleen Sunley, and she makes the best dates that you just need to eat by themselves. <laughs> Welcome, Colleen. Thank you very much. It's so fun to be here. So when you came to New York, we were doing a, an interview that we're going to have upcoming in an upcoming episode of Meet and Three about mm -hmm. global markets and what it takes to source foods from around the world. And obviously, there are some dates you get from California, but there are also dates you get from Tunisia. Correct. Which is a whole complicated thing. We're going to get super into it for Meet and Three. Mm -hmm. But for today, I just want to talk about what made you decide to start a date company in Missouri, because you live in Missouri, a place that's not necessarily known for beets, for dates. <laughs> right. You cannot grow dates in Missouri. I've actually had that question a lot this weekend. <laughs> so my husband and I lived in the Middle East. Um, he was teaching at the United Arab Emirates University, and I had just had my first child, and I decided to take some time off of my advertising and marketing career to learn how to be a mom. Um, I've always been a foodie, and so we basically just explored the food markets while he was working. And in the Middle East, you cannot escape the date culture. So anytime you go to someone's house, they'll offer you dates and Arabic coffee. 
And furthermore, if you visit a mall, you'll see like date boutiques, much like you would walk into a chocolate boutique here. And you see dates stacked in pyramids, all different kinds of cultivars. Um, most people are surprised to know that there are over a thousand date varieties in the world, which was just blew my mind when I realized that. So when we were there, we got onto dates, um, especially date syrup, which is why we started the company. It's something, it's a product of dates that has been around for over thousands of years. It's been around forever. And so when we moved back to the United States, we realized that you couldn't find it anywhere. And if you could, by chance, find it in a really obscure Middle Eastern market, it could have sugar in it. Um, and plus, you just really didn't know the backstory because some far questionable farming goes on, you know, in certain parts of the world. So we... Um, decided if we were ever going to have enough date syrup and good dates to fulfill our urges, we were going to have to start a company. And that's what we did. So when we found the source of the dates we wanted to carry in California um, from a farm there, we, you know, we could have moved there, but our roots are in Missouri. And that's where I grew up. I was born there. I hadn't lived there for many years, but my parents are there. My husband's parents are there. And we just really wanted to settle down there and it's a great place to do business because it's much lower cost to entry we were able to buy like this 1940s ice cream factory that already had like cork insulated walls and everything that we needed to do business so we were like we're gonna do a date business in Missouri and that's what we do after you started the business and your products went onto the market did you um did other people reach out to you that had a similar experience where they maybe lived in a country where dates were part of the culture and the, and the food and the cuisine that said, thank you for making this finally? Totally. Yeah. We, we have lots of um, folks from the Middle East that buy our product and it's something that they felt like was really missing in the local grocery store. Um, and we, like I just had somebody from Iraq stop by our booth this weekend and it was so fun to talk to her because what a lot of people don't understand are, uh, is that dates aren't just like a fruit. In the Middle East, they are like part of the culture. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, for them it's a big deal and it's kind of missing here because we only grow half a percentage of the world's dates in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested by this idea of the like date boutique mm -hmm. what are some other date products that would be available at a date boutique besides dried dates or mm -hmm. date syrup yes so it's almost like I would compare it to a store where you buy truffles because they have really high-end stuffed dates where the inside of the dates is something they did themselves like candy ginger or oranges or something like that so you've got stuffed dates, and they also have, like, really amazing date vinegars, um, all kinds of things. And then a lot of the date boutiques have a place you can sit down and eat. And one of the drinks that they have there is date syrup and camel's milk and coffee. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Which is really, really a popular drink over there. Wow. What's, um, what's the difference, like, what's the taste difference between camel's milk and what we think of as like milk, cow's milk. Yeah, I find it's a lot less, um, I don't know if I should use the word gamey, but you know, goat's milk has a really distinct taste. Mm -hmm. A lot of people aren't super crazy about it, um, you know, right away. 
And I think camel's milk is a little bit more um, easy entry <laughs> to another um, animal milk. Interesting. Yeah. That's fascinating. So we, we covered this a lot, but talk about some of the challenges of sourcing domestically, but also internationally. Yes. So we went into this thinking, we're going to do this in California. Everything's going to come from California. And our very first batch of date syrup that we made ourselves was from California. But it did not work out um, for several different reasons. Um, one is because they just never really did it here. So they, they sold us some dates they felt like would be good for syrup, but it just takes a certain kind to make really good syrup. And then the person that we had make it, it just takes a lot of really special equipment and knowledge. And so it turned, turned essentially into like a, a syrup that was almost fermented or something like that. And you have to process really large amounts at a time. So um, otherwise you get a small yield, you know, and which drives the cost up for everybody, especially the end user, the mm -hmm. consumer. I mean, so there was that. And then also, as I mentioned earlier, we just grow such a small percentage of the world's dates that even when we did find somebody to produce it here, we, could, we can't get enough. Mm -hmm. So if we can get them, it's always at the last minute because they have a leftover amount, you know. So unless you're just producing a small amount of date syrup or date products, you really have to import at this time. So one big topic of conversation since we're at Slow Food Nations, it's a lot about flavor and biodiversity. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, um, you know, what your thoughts are as far as increasing the, the varietals of dates that are grown here domestically, what you want to see and what you think might be realistic in the, you know, short to medium term? Yeah, that's an excellent question. So here in the United States, you find primarily Deglet and Medjool. And the reason for that is that Deglet is what you put into all those bars, you know, um, Laura Bar, RX Bar, those are all Degla dates. So the farms are mass producing that cultivar because they know that's what the demand is for here in the U.S. And then the consumer demand is mostly for Medjool just because that's all they've ever known. Um, and also I think because they're huge and Americans really like things big. <laughs> that's one of my theories. But coming from the Middle East, I know that there are so many um, varieties out there that I feel like are even more delicious. Um, the dates we sell are called barhi, and they're actually one of the smallest varieties that you can buy. They're a lot less fibrous, and they're just beautiful um, to eat. They're almost like a little caramel butterscotch or something. Mm. And I think people are starting to see that more, that there are different varieties. Um, and so I hope for that reason there will be an increase in growing because we still have lots of landmass to grow in the desert in Arizona and California. But as with so many things, it's just voting with dollars. So I know we continue to buy more and more and more barhi from the farm and that will make a difference in planting. Um, and there are some other really beautiful varieties too. But I think as the demand for dates grow, the demand for the different varieties will too. Mm -hmm. 
So if anybody, any farmers out there in Arizona or, you know, in a desert climate, let us know if you want to start growing dates. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so in addition to the syrup, which is what you started with, mm-hmm. and then um, the just the dried dates, um, you have some other products as well. Tell us yep. about the other products you've developed using the dates. Yeah. So as I took sugar out of my kitchen, for the most part, about 15 years ago, I, and I started using more and more dates after living in the Middle East, I realized, wow, like, yeah, you can replace sugar with dates, but not just for health reasons, but dates add this rich complexity that you don't get with sugar because sugar is just sweet, you know? But dates have this flavor to them that isn't necessarily carried over as a date in applications, but it has this real richness to it. And so um, I was making, you know, chocolate sauce and caramel and that type of thing. And after doing that for many years in my own kitchen, um, we decided to start doing it in bigger and bigger batches. We started selling it at a farmer's market to get consumer take on it. And then um, now we make it and we sell it to our retail stores. Uh, We just launched a barbecue sauce Mm -hmm. and a sweet chili sauce. Um, We're super excited about that. Those are also just sweetened with dates. But we also concentrate on the other ingredients. Like instead of using liquid smoke or a smoke flavor for our barbecue sauce to give it that edge of smoke that you, I think you really need in a good barbecue, um, we use actual sea salt and paprika that was smoked over wood. And we learned a little bit, a a nice trick for paprika. Um, Yesterday with Stephen Satterfield, who says that he like makes his own using like dried roasted chilies Uh and you can just make it at home in your own home kitchen by using a food processor. Uh So could people potentially like buy the date syrup and experiment with making their own barbecue sauce flavors? Totally. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things is to talk to somebody that's like, here's what I do with your date syrup and it's amazing. Yeah. What what are some interesting things that you've heard from, from customers? Two of my favorite things is a beer producer. That incredible beer um, made with date syrup. Yum. Yeah. And the other thing is this guy that cures bacon with our date syrup. That sounds awesome. Yeah. It's like date syrup and pepper. Yum. Well, yeah. And I bet there's like even more out there that you don't even know about yet. Yeah, but it's like sure. there's, I mean, and I agree with you. Sugars is so one dimensional. I think there's so many other creative alternatives to adding flavor to you for your food if you mm-hmm. want to add sweetness like um i grew up eating a lot of cane syrup mm-hmm. um you know and that's like totally unrefined so yeah I, that has its own unique flavor i mean it's it's a, it's a little out there i yeah. say date syrup is a little more i i personally like use date syrup more than i would use cane syrup because mm-hmm. it's just like very specific i think i think if someone is trying to get away from using a lot of white sugar mm-hmm. in their kitchen that date syrup is a thing that's going to be easy to add Mm because it's just delicious we we were just putting it on vanilla ice cream the other day yeah it's so good it's one of my favorite things actually just on vanilla with some pistachios and saffron that's all you need yeah um so tell me a little bit about what you've been doing the last couple days here at slow food nations Mm -hmm. and you know any any great takeaways you've had Yeah, just visiting with folks, and it's always great. We don't do a lot of consumer shows, not as many as we would like, but just to watch people's faces when they sample the products. We brought a few things we don't usually. One of my favorite drinks is called a Cafe Dibs. Dibs is Arabic for the date syrup, 
So it's cold brew, milk, and, and date syrup. And it's like this really rich cold brew drink. And so we've actually been serving that. And we made these really huge like cookies with everything in them, sweetened only with dates. And so that's been fun too, just to kind of make some products and show people how they're used. Have you been selling products while you're here? Yeah, yep, we have been. Amazing. Yeah, sampling and selling. So people have been able to take their own bottles of syrup home with them. Yeah, totally. And then, so for people who are local in Denver, where can they find Date Lady products? Mm -hmm. Well, we're at Natural Grocers, Lucky's, and then some specialty, other specialty stores. Cool. And where can people go online to find out more about you and order online? Yes. So our website is ilovedatelady.com. Um, I always tell people that Date Lady was taken, and you can, if you use your imagination, you can figure out why there are a lot of date-related <laughs> URLs that aren't available. Um, so it's ilovedatelady.com, and of course, we're on Amazon Prime as well. Yes, and you can order everything online. Yes. You can do like what I did, which is order like six bags of dates at a time. There you go. Because you, trust me, you're going to eat them quickly. <laughs> They've become like the de facto dessert in our house. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so I just want to also, we plugged all the date lady stuff. I also want to plug, we have an episode of Meet and 3 coming up where we talk, we get more into the nitty gritty of what it takes to source dates, mm-hmm. especially from Tunisia because, yep. you know, customs and all the hoops you have to jump through are totally can be a little crazy and I think yep. it's, it's just really fascinating so yeah. thanks for doing that and thanks for coming to sit down with us at Slow thank, Food Nations thank you so much Kat it's great being here um, so once again that was Colleen Sunley I'm Kat Johnson for Heritage Radio Network um, thanks once again to Hearst Ranch Big Green Egg and Julia Chop Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts for making all of our coverage of Slow Food Nations possible we have one more interview today so stay tuned we will be right back <laughs> 